everyone, my name is Billy and welcome to this week's message from Greenville Vineyard. You are joining us in the midst of a series where we're talking about uh, the journey. And by the journey we mean the kingdom journey, the kingdom life that Jesus invites us into when we surrender our life to him and begin to follow him. He has a plan for our life and he begins to shape our life and he begins to take us on this journey. And this journey really in the eyes of God is all about shaping us into who God made us to be, to reflect his image here on earth, to make him to make us more like Jesus essentially, and to be all that we were created to be. And so we've been looking at different subjects about this journey and about how we get through things and how God uses different circumstances and experiences to form this um, this image bearer of God in us. And so this week we're going to be digging into talking about uh, doing the journey with friends, um, about doing it in community with others. Because in the journey, the kingdom journey that Jesus invites us into, it's not something we're supposed to do alone. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it in partnership with others, with friends. Even Jesus, when he was here on earth doing his amazing ministry that did, he recruited a bunch of friends to do that work with him and then pass that baton onto them when he, when he went back up to the Father after his resurrection. So there's a very um, famous soccer team in England called Liverpool Football Club. It's called Football Club because everywhere else in the world, soccer is called football. And so um, at the beginning of every game, and this, uh, this particular Liverpool team is really famous for this, they, the fans, sing a song. And the song is entitled, You'll Never Walk Alone. And it's quite emotive. It's uh, almost hymn-like. It's almost, you know, when you watch them doing it, it's like church. And you know, these people are having an experience. And, you know, the, the song represents a, a commitment from the fans to the team, a commitment from the fans to the local area. It symbolizes a sense of community and a sense of togetherness that through rough and through smooth, through good times and through bad times, they will continue to be together. They will continue to support this football team. They will continue to be the, the people of Liverpool Football Club. And the song is especially emotive because the, the club itself has gone through some really traumatic and great history, uh, great times even in their history. So they're one of the most successful soccer teams ever in the history of the sport. But as well as that, they've had some really painful times in the history. Um, a few decades ago, there was this thing called the Hillsborough disaster where a number of their fans were crushed to death in an incident in the stadium. And so whenever they sing this song, the song represents their best times and it represents their worst times. And when people sing that song, they think of those who died, they think of those who had great moments of victory, and they think of the journey that they as a, as a community, because initially it was a community team, now it's got fans all over the world, but they as a community and as a club have done life together, uh, all surrounding this, this little sport where they go around kicking a ball, but it's, it means more to them. It's a sense of community, a sense of belonging. And they know that there's something stronger in being together than being alone. So even those people who might not be kingdom people, they might not go to church, they might not follow Jesus, they know something about the truth of life. And the truth of life is this. It's not, too good. It's not good to do it alone. So why don't you pray with me and we'll get into our reading and uh, look at some points today that uh, I hope you can take home and uh, use. 
Father in heaven, thank you so much that uh, you want to do things with us and through us, but you call us to do it with others. So this morning as we get through this, uh, this subject, would you begin to give us a warmth within ourselves to others, a desire to be in community with others, a willingness to commit to other people and to do life with them. Shape us, Lord, into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 17 from verse 11 to, and I'll be, then I'll be jumping over to verse 20. So you can just follow along on the screen or you can open your Bibles. And it says this, Jesus is praying to the Father. This is shortly before he is crucified. And it says this, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, that's his followers, are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus is really concerned for their community, for their oneness, for their togetherness. So let's jump over to verse 20 and see what else he, he prays to the Father about. And he says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who are those people? That's you and me that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So really, really important words, really revealing the heart of Jesus for not only his disciples that he hung around with at the time, but his heart for you and me who believe years and years afterwards, once we heard the message that they went and took out to the world. And so I want to start with my first point. My first point is this, is isolation means desolation, right? Isolation means desolation. You know, if you go and you look at stories of people who have had bad prison experiences or people who have been uh, unjustly tortured and all these kind of things, there's loads of stories of that out there in this in this world, you will find that most of them will often say that one of the worst things that they ever had to go through during their times of imprisonment was being in solitary confinement, being isolated from people and forced to be by themselves for extended periods of time. For instance, uh, just a couple of days ago, I was on the BBC News site and I read a story about an academic who escaped Iran by walking over the mountains north of Tehran. So basically this academic, he was a dual national, he was born in Iran, grew up there, uh, kind of of Kurdish ethnicity. He'd gone to do college in the UK, got his degree in anthropology and all that kind of stuff, had become a British citizen, and then he returned to Iran with his dual nationality and began to uh, work in that field. And he was working specifically in the field of um, the rights for young women. So he was quite vocal about, you know, the need to change the laws to not allow girls to be given away as wives at the age of 13 because that was too young and a bunch of other things like female circumcision, stuff like that. He was challenging. So he was challenging a lot of the status quos of the kind of the religious authorities at that time. And so what happened is that there was some tension arose between Iran and Britain. And so he had a target on his back. So the, one day somebody knocked at his door saying it was the mailman. And when he opened the door, 15 uh, revolutionary guards stormed into his house and arrested him and dragged him off to prison. And then he spent a number of weeks being interrogated 
and what have you. And then what happened is after that, he got released on bail pending trial for uh, collaborating with a hostile nation. And he just realized he was getting framed. And so he, he basically packed his bag, said goodbye to his family, didn't tell anybody what he was doing. And he walked out through the mountains. He risked his life to get out and he managed to get out. But one of the things he said about his time in prison was that, you know, the interrogation methods of the Revolutionary Guard are very subtle, very nuanced, very, you know, well, well thought out, I guess, is the, the terminology. And he said that, you know, the way they would interrogate him, he got to the point where he looked forward to his interrogation. Because in that environment, he said the interrogation was still a better option than being locked up in his cell all day. Because he said once he got locked in that cell, he was by himself, he was isolated, and he just felt like he'd been put into a grave to die. And so, you know, he talks about how being interrogated was really, really unpleasant, and he felt like he was being manipulated. He says, but he enjoyed the company because being isolated was even worse. It was a desolating effect on his spirit, a desolating effect on his person. And the fact of the matter is, is we all know this. Isolation just robs us of many things. Isolation robs us of the ability to grow. Because the fact of the matter is human beings grow as a result of their friction with other people, of coming together with other people, uh, learning different things, you know, rubbing each other up the wrong way, having to learn how to apologize, uh, catching different ideas from each other. It gives us perspective, you know, uh, when we're when we're in isolated, we're robbed of perspective because other people's ideas uh, help to, help us to see the world differently, help us to see our problems differently, help us to get through things. You know, uh, isolation robs us of understanding because we are left to our own thoughts. And when we're left to our own thoughts, without anybody challenging what we're thinking, you know, we don't see the gaps in our thinking. We don't see the flaws in our arguments that we're building up in our own minds. But when we're in community with other people and we begin to say what we're thinking, people go like, well, have you thought about this uh, in relation to what you're saying? And then you're like, oh, no, I haven't. In fact, yeah, that blows out some of my ideas. I need to go back to the drawing board. And you begin to rethink your ideas on certain issues or whatever it is. And so it helps us to grow in understanding. So if we're we're in isolation, we're robbed of understanding. Finally, isolation robs us of support. You know, human beings need other human beings to, to get through life. We really do. You know, when people are going through really hard times, who, who, what do they do? They call their families, if they have healthy families, or they call their closest friends. Because being with those people, sharing what you're going through with those people, and it, it just helps you get through. We need the support of other people because we need to be cared for. We need to feel loved. And when we're isolated, there's nobody caring for us. When we're isolated, there's nobody loving us. And so, you know, going back to that football song, you never walk alone. This is the call of those of us who are on the kingdom journey. Never walk alone. Never go through what we're going through alone. Always bring who we are, what we are, what we're going through to the community. We're supposed to do this thing together. You know, Jesus' prayer that we was that we would be one together. What does that mean? Well, it means none of us are meant to be a kingdom unto ourselves. None of us are meant to be independent from one another. 
The fact of the matter is, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be interdependent with one another. And because that just makes us stronger, helps us to grow just like us. It's the opposite of what I've talk, I was talking about when I mentioned isolation. And so it, it, it helps us to be supported, to grow, to have understanding, to have perspective. These are the things we need in our lives. And not only that, when Jesus is talking, he says there's, this another, there's another thing, that when we're one together, when we're living life together and we're doing this thing together, God uses that to reveal something to the world. And that is this, that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. And so that's something we have to take really, really serious. And, you know, this whole aspect of being together, doing life together, uh, revealing Jesus to the world, but as well as that, being a support to one another, making sure that we're not doing this kingdom journey in isolation, is one of the main reasons why, even though it hasn't been ideal, we've embraced the park as a church over the past few months. Now, you may have watched uh, our vision video. If you're in our church, we sent a vision video out a couple of days ago. Uh, for all of you to watch so please do go watch that but in that video we're talking about how you know we wanted to make sure that people could be connected could support one another and we realized getting a facility during coronavirus was incredibly difficult and even if we got one being in a confined space was going to be difficult not everybody could do that and so we realized the best compromise if you like was being out in the open in the park because you could socially distance easy, easily. The kids could relate to one another because you, we couldn't run a kids ministry in a building and being inside a building, we'd have to keep the kids separate. And that was sad. But, you know, kids running around the park and still being fairly distant from each other as they do when they're running around was the next best thing because the kids in our church, they, their emotional mental health was suffering from not hanging out with each other. So we we're trying to find this balance. And being in the park was the best thing we could do. And, you know, throughout that time, me as the pastor was like, well, we're not going to be able to run a lot of our programs. Small groups in people's houses are going to be difficult because a lot of people won't want to be in those circumstances. However, people need fellowship. People need connection. People need to be able to support one another. Otherwise, they'll be isolated. And isolation means desolation. So therefore, let's do it in the park, even if it's 100 degrees out in the summer, which, you know, can be a little bit unpleasant times. And even if it's 40 degrees in the winter, which, you know, sometimes it's like that in the park, it can be 40, but if it's sunny, the, the sun keeps us warm and stuff. But better to be cold and in, and in community and supported and have your relationship than to be warm and isolated because emotional, the emotional desolation is far worse than being physically, physically cold for an hour or so. And so that's what we chose. We did that to press in and to really help everybody feel connected. Because we're called to care for one another. We're called to be there for one another. And it's difficult to do that on the video. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of you would probably prefer hearing this live. But, you know, this is the next best thing. And what you do is on a Sunday, you get me live in person for conversation. But that's how it goes. And as well as that, when we're together, we have the joy of seeing one another, the joy of encouraging one another. There's something about our spirits connecting to one another when we are in person. And you know, one thing I've really found encouraging as we kind of soldiered through doing this, this community thing out in the open in the park is this, is our worship team. You know, you look at those people that are up there playing their instruments every Sunday, and they haven't complained once. Because when we've sat down and talked about why we're doing what we're doing, they all get it. And, 
you connecting in community with one another, you being able to worship in person with one another, is so important to them that they're willing to put up with us cold fingers on a guitar, uh, having to have uh, hand warmers in their pockets, having to take breaks during the songs because it's starting to hurt and the instruments are going out of tune and they don't sound as good as they wanted, want them to sound. They're doing that so that you can have community, so that you can have support. So you're like, you know, shout out to them. They are doing such a great job. Um, go give one of them a pat on the back and say thank you to them when you see them on Sunday. And then finally, you know, this is us coming into land. As we do things together in community, we move forward to commu in community in, on the journey. That's why, going back to the video that Rachel and I sent out to you a couple of days ago, where we're inviting all of you into doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting for God to really take us to the next level this year, that as we come out of this coronavirus season, and as we're looking for a facility, that he'd find us the right one, where we can really be salt and light to a community, where we can uh, help one another to grow and be all that God's called us to be, where we can be inwardly growing, but outwardly focused to the, to the people in the world out there. We have to do that together. There's no point in just me or the leadership team or me or the board praying into those things and then telling you what we're going to do. Because that's not journeying together, is it? So I want to encourage you just like I did in the video, and this is the challenge this week. There's two challenges. One, connect with one another in some way. If, I mean, some of you can't be in person because of the jobs you have or the exposure you have to, to certain things, but find a way to connect. Those of you who can kind of connect in in person in social distance do it because it's really important and then the second thing is this pray with us pray with us about the three items we asked you to pray for in that video about the national director and, and vineyard usa choosing that person about our interns that are going to come and join us in the summer and about god providing a facility for us a place where we can have a hub of ministry and begin to be more effective in our outreach to the community around us and so commit to that because when we all pull together and we all pray together and seek the Lord together, he does amazing things. He does amazing things. Yeah. So how about we just to welcome the Lord to come and just be with us right now? Um, if you need something from God today, why don't you just sit in a receptive posture, maybe have your hands open, just relax, close your eyes. And uh, invite God to draw near to you and uh, see what he says to you. See what he lays on your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you're with each one of us right now. Thank you that you love us, that you want us to grow. Would you send your Holy Spirit to each one of us right now? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you come and rest on each one of us now? Would you come and challenge us? Would you come and empower us to connect to one another, to commit to one another, to do life together, to move forward as a group of friends in Jesus? I encourage you just to sit in that moment. See what the Lord's saying to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you may be feeling the pull. 
you may be feeling the conviction of God on your life saying you need to make right with him. You need to, to turn your life around from where you are and to go on his journey rather than the journey you've been on. So that's you. I encourage you just to say, Jesus, I give you my life right now. Forgive me for all my sins and my corruption. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you. If you're praying that prayer, if you're making that commitment, text us and number will come up on the slide just after this. And we can begin to help you on that journey of following Jesus. For the rest of you, I encourage you to be where you are. Be sensitive with what the Holy Spirit's doing in you and saying to you. Be obedient to that. And as you do that, I'm going to pray a prayer of a blessing, a prayer of blessing over you. Uh, as I go, but I encourage you to remain where you are for, for as long as it takes. And the blessing goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. <laughs>